Well, it's good to be here this morning. And our scripture this morning will be Psalm 98. Yeah. And it's joy to the world. Psalm 98. Psalm 98. <laughs> I get a feedback there and it says, wonder who is that guy? Who is that last man? Oh, okay. And I'll be reading that, excuse me, from the New King James Version this morning. Now I get my glasses straight here. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. The Lord has made known his salvation. His righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Show joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Burst forth in song, rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of a song, with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Sound jo shout joyfully before the Lord, the King. Pages sticking together. Let the sea roar and everything in it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills be joyful together before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. With righteousness he shall judge the world and the peoples with equity. And may God bless the reading of his word. Christmas should be a time of joy, but for many it is a time of stress. And part of the reason for that is we confuse joy with happiness. And the song we just sang is not happy to the world, but joy to the world. Happiness depends on circumstances. And joy, on the other hand, is an inner sense of well-being that has nothing to do with circumstances of one's life. The theme of Psalm 98 is joy, joy to the world. In verses 4 to 6, get right to the heart of the matter. Show joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Verse 4, verse forth in song, rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of a song, with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Show joyfully before the Lord the king. Joy is something that needs to be expressed. It is expressed in song and in music. And Psalm 98 says that everyone should sing for joy. It says that every person of faith, every person, every person and believer in God, every recipient of God's goodness ought to sing. And even those of us who cannot carry a tune are expected to sing. That includes me. <laughs> and verse 4 in the NIV puts it this way, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth, burst into jubilant song with music. 
And notice the psalmist isn't calling us to sing about the Lord, but to the Lord. And when we are singing to the Lord, it is a sign of spiritual life in us. But what about those times when we don't feel like it? When we're not well and things don't go well? Singing to God seems natural when we receive good news. But what about those times when the news isn't good? We are still to sing. After all, joy, unlike happiness, does not depend on circumstances. The pages are sticking together here this morning. All creation also rejoices in the Lord and before the Lord. Listen again to verses 7 and 8. Let the sea roar and everything in it, the world and all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains be joyful together before the Lord. Joy to the world. That's our song and creation's song. And now the reason for joy is verses 1 to 3. O oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained the victory. The Lord has made known his salvation, his righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. And all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Do you hear the reason for joy? Do you hear the reason for song? It is because the Lord has brought salvation. God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus came for the joy of all the world. So the end result should be for all the earth and for every heart to sing to him. When we perceive the value of what God has done for us in the indescribable gift of his Son, when we see in Jesus a treasure of hope and joy, then we will have a pearl of great price type of response. And that is the joy that should mark us as Christians and as a Christian church. And notice too that Christmas joy includes all the ends of the earth. Joy is an emotion given us by God. It's not just intellectual, it's not just in the head, but out of the heart. And in the Bible, joy was celebrated with singing, dancing, shouting, clapping of hands, and feasting. Our God is the God of joy. He is the most joyful being in the universe. God is the ever-flowing and overflowing fountain of joy. His joy is inexhaustible. And thank God for the emotion of joy, for being a God of joy, a God who cares about joy. So why should all of creation be joyful? burst into song. And the last verse, verse 9, gives us the answer. It is Christ. He is the King and He is coming to judge the earth. 
With righteousness he shall judge the world and the people with equity. <clears throat> we are called to sing for joy because of God's judgment. And here is a reminder that the coming of the Lord Jesus means both salvation and judgment. And this double theme of salvation and judgment is found throughout the Bible. And for example, we see salvation and judgment when God saved Noah and his family, but destroyed the rest of the world with the flood. We see salvation and judgment at the Red Sea when God miraculously saved Moses and the Israelites, but drowned Pharaoh's army. I don't know why these pages stick together today. I just want to keep on track. And we see salvation and judgment at the foot of the cross. Anyone who repents of their sin and believes in the Lord Jesus is given the Lord's salvation. Those, however, who reject Jesus or neglect him are judged. So how does this fit in with the psalmist's call for joy? When Christ returns on that day, he will right all wrongs and cause eternal justice to fall upon the enemies of his people. That will be a dreadful day for the impenitent, but for those who, but for those who have been declared righteous, it will be a day of glory. And the judgment of Christ is the reason for joy and celebrations. And this is the force behind the ongoing command that is addressed to the people of God that opens this psalm. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song with an exclamation mark. And this command is found five more times in the Psalms. Psalm 33, verse 3, sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. And Psalm 40, verse 3, he has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Psalm 96, verse 1, O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. In Psalm 144, verse 9, I will sing a new song to you, O God. On the harp of ten strings, I will sing praises to you. In Psalm 149, verse 1, Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of saints. The command is also found in Isaiah 42, verse 10. Is that the one we did this morning? No. No, different no. 40. Different, different what? Isaiah 40. Oh, different 40. Yeah. Okay. Oh, he said Isaiah 42. This is 42. <laughs> That's all right. It's chilly up here this morning. Yes. Nose is running and no, anyway. Okay, so Isaiah 42, verse 10. Pardon me? Persevere. Yes, persevere. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Sing to the Lord a new song. And his praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you coastlands and you inhabitants of them. And the command appears twice in the book of Revelation. Revelation 5, verse 9. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood of a very tribe and tongue and people and nation. 
In Revelation 14, verse 3, they sang as it were a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were, were redeemed from the earth. So what does it mean to sing to the Lord a new song? <clears throat> a new song means there should be something fresh and dynamic about worship and the songs we sing to God. The new song is heard when all the earth shouts joyfully to the Lord. And we hear the fulfillment of this in Revelation 5, verses 9 and 10, when those from every tribe and nation and tongue join before the throne to sing a new song in praise to the Lamb. We sing a new song as God teaches us from His Word, and we learn more and more truth. The words we sing can be seen in new light and fresh ways. The songs become more meaningful as we sing them in the midst of joys and trials. They teach us. They comfort us. And as God brings us through various events and circumstances, we sing with new insight and perspective. We sing a new song when we embrace the words as our own and make them our voice and our praise when they express our hopes and comforts. We are commanded in Ephesians and in Colossians to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs in our worship and praise of God. But the form of these have taken throughout history of the church and has varied greatly. And what was music like in the churches, for example, back in England in the 1700s at the time of Isaac Watts, a poet and the writer of Joy to the World. Church music at that time was very simple, mostly the singing of unison, unaccompanied metrical songs. And Isaac Watts heard the music of his day, and as one who loved and wrote poetry, he realized that many of the attempts to fit words to meter were poor and unsingable. And he also took exception with those who claimed that the church should only sing the words of the 150 psalms in the book of Psalms. He believed that the music of the church should be of Christ. He believed that if we are going to sing the psalms, we ought to sing them well and we ought to sing them in light of the gospel with new words that clearly show that they speak of Christ. On one particular evening, while walking home from church, young Isaac complained to his father that the music was of little worth. And his father became frustrated with him, turned around and challenged him, if you don't approve of what we sing, why don't you do something better? pages. Yeah. <laughs> it's making me stall and just take my time. My fingers are slippery and everything. It's so cold, right? Yeah. And then there's heat coming up behind me. Let's give me double whatever. That's the way it goes. Now, he said, why don't you do something better? So Watts did exactly that. And in the course of life to follow 
he composed over 700 hymns. He published his first collection of hymns in 1707 called Hymns and Spiritual Songs. And it was received so well that by 1709, two years later, he followed with the second edition. Now, his success was not without criticism, however. He was accused by many of abandoning psalm singing. And he answered his critics with a collection in 1719. And the Psalms of, the psalms of David imitated in the language of the New Testament. That's what it was called. It included a setting of Psalm 98 that we looked at this morning. And Watts wanted people to see and hear and understand Christ in this psalm. Now he had two main concerns in the hymns he composed. First, he wanted to write beautiful words that people could sing and remember. And second, he wanted to focus the words on Christ. You can't sing the Psalms as a Christian and not say anything about Christ, he said. And so he read Psalm 98, verses 4 to 6, and I'll repeat that. Verses 4 to 6. So joyfully to the Lord all the earth, break forth in song, rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of a song, with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Show joyfully before the Lord, the King. And he composed, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. Amen. He read verses 7 and 8. Let the sea roar in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. And he responded with, Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. I'm stuck again. He read verses 1 to 3. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained the victory. The Lord has made known his salvation. His righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And he wrote, No more let sins and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. And he read verse 9, For he is coming to judge the earth. With righteousness he shall judge the world, and the peoples with equity. And he concluded with, He rules the world with truth and grace, and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Now Watts wrote this and many other beautiful hymns that we still sing and cherish today. And one of them that we sing when I survey the wondrous cross Amen. is one of his. But in their day, they were new songs. We're told to sing new songs. And we sing a new song as a musical, as, oh, excuse me, 
Nose is dripping. <laughs> Throw me off. <laughs> No, That's all right. You're with Kid Ross. Oh, I know. I'm with, I'm, I'm with it too, I think. <laughs> Anyways. My glasses are even steaming up. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, it's fun. Oh, no, it's fun. We're supposed to be joyful. I mean, go help them. <laughs> yeah, I hope I have it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, this one's getting all wet. There's more Kleenexes over there if you need them. Oh, yes. Over, the, over by the computer. Oh, okay. No, I'm all right. I, I have another one in my pocket. I carry all kinds of them. Not all kinds, one kind, but lots of them. Yes. Yeah. Okay, get back to serious thing. So, little songs for new songs in the day. And we sing a new song as musical forms are created. The piano, for example, was invented in the early 1700s. It became a popular instrument in the home for family singing. But it was the church organ that carried the voice of the church in worship through the 1800s. And that all changed with the evangelistic crusades of the early 1900s. As the crusades popularized the gospel songs, Many churches wanted to include gospel songs in their worship. The church organ served well for the stately, majestic hymns, but it did not serve well to keep up with the lively, bouncy rhythm of the contemporary songs. And gradually, 200 years after its invention, the piano became the primary instrument of worship. And today, it's the electronic keyboards, the guitars, and percussion instruments that have joined the piano to provide the needed support for the new music of our day. We sing a new song when we compose new songs to express our worship in our own words. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs of the past can be sung with new music and new arrangements. One of the leading Composers of the church music in the 1800s was Lowell Mason, an American. He loved the hymns of Isaac Watts, but he wanted to sing them to a more contemporary sound. He attended a concert of George Handel's Messiah and heard one of the selections, Lift up your heads, O you gates. And Handel's tune was stuck in his head for several days, and he put the first few notes with Watts' hymn, Joy to the World. And this gave him the idea to write a new tune for the hymn. He took an older text and set it to a new sound. Isaac Watts wrote the words. George Frederick Handel put them to his music of Handel's Messiah. And Lowell Mason combined them into what we have today as joy to the world. And how wonderful it is that God took a British, a German, and an American to respond to Psalm 98 in such a beautiful song of praise that we sing to Jesus who brought joy to the world. Isaac Watts' rendition of Psalm 98 celebrates the timeless aspect of Advent and looks forward to the second coming of the Lord. 
And not only that, but is joy something a world full of people needs or seeks only once a year? Isn't it, along with peace, hope, and grace, something people long for and need all year long? Just a question. Because joys of the world really isn't a carol. It's a hymn. Now it's been said that a Christian is a lot like a tea kettle, which, when it's up to its neck in hot water, sings all the more loudly and clearly. <laughs> and even as we go through problems and trials of this life, we know what it is, what is to come because of Jesus. And as we sing for joy, we too call on everyone and everything to shout for joy. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. So remember that when you're in hot water. <laughs> I would scream too. <laughs> anyway, I just thought it was kind of whatever. It fits in anyway. So, you want homework? <laughs> it's not me. No. I just say, take a moment this week and read through the lyrics again of Joy to the World. And think about them in the light of Christ's second coming. When interpreted primarily through the final chapters of Revelation instead of the first chapters of the Gospel of Luke, the lyrics take on a different dynamic meaning for the church today. And the words bring hope in the midst of darkness, trial, and tribulation. They anticipate the joy that Christ's reign will bring. And they proclaim the cosmic doxology that will occur when heaven comes to earth. And they remind us that sin will be eradicated and truth and grace shall rule. And shall we pray? Heavenly Father, may these words spoken here this morning find their way into our eyes, our ears, our mouths, and minds this Advent and Christmas season. And may we be filled with joy as we look back, or look forward, not back, but forward with hope, as did God's people long ago, to the coming of Emmanuel. And in his name we pray. Amen.